I'm Miss Tyler. Welcome to this week's episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel, where I usually post slightly longer video versions. Now, if I'm telling you that Jesus is faithful, what does that even mean? Well, in our modern society, faithfulness is a kind of slang term that means if you have a husband or a wife or a serious girlfriend or boyfriend, then you can't have another and be faithful. Okay, that's what being faithful means to us. And that's a good word and a great thing to do in general. But is that what the Apostle Paul is telling us? In ancient times, what we call being faithful in your marriage was actually part of self-control instead. That was one of the main definitions, and some types of philosophers preached it as being very important, while others didn't care nearly as much. Philosophers were men who thought deep thoughts about the world and how it works in ways we can and can't see and how people should behave and treat each other, and what does and doesn't make sense. And they usually taught rich kids like Alexander the Great how to think about the world, but they would also speak in public to big crowds. I mean, there was no television and most people couldn't read and there were no bookstores anyway. So these guys were very interesting to listen to. They would debate each other in public to show how smart and wise they were, but they weren't generally very nice about it. Paul used a Greek word, pistis, that we translate as faithfulness in English Bibles because there is no English word that means exactly the same thing. So what does pistis mean? Well, I want you to think about a big army with privates, sergeants, colonels, and generals. That army needs generals who know how to win their battles, okay? so that they can win the war they're fighting. But the truth is that they can do all the planning in the world, but it won't mean anything unless they can trust the colonels to honestly give the right orders to the sergeants and to be able to answer any questions the sergeants have. And that colonel has to trust the sergeant to tell the privates what they need to do. And the sergeant has to be able to trust the privates to follow orders. But that isn't all. The privates have to trust the sergeants, colonels, and generals to know what they're doing so that they can obey the orders. A good army has a bunch of people who trust and who can be trusted. A bad army is one where no one trusts anyone. Pistis means that kind of trust and also being trustworthy. And we have no word for that in English. I mean, look, it took me an entire paragraph to explain. And so when Paul was telling the people in Galatia about how the Holy Spirit trains us to be more like Jesus, that's the word he used. Faithfulness, which we see in our Bibles, is a kind of pistis and a part of pistis, but it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what pistis actually means. You know, translation from one language to another can be very difficult that way. 
if you only have one word, faithfulness is probably the best because a faithful person is very trustworthy. But that isn't enough because trusting God is the most important thing that the Spirit teaches us. Okay? We can have self-control and be gentle like Jesus even if we don't trust God. But it makes it really hard to obey him when he asks us to do something difficult. We have to learn that he's worthy of being trusted. And that isn't something we can just decide to believe one day. So if you don't always trust God, that's okay. You aren't evil or malfunctioning. You're a normal human who has to figure out through experience, through your life, that God isn't out to get you but wants to save you. That comes in time. He really does understand. Our best bet in learning to trust God is by being so familiar with who Jesus is and what he does and doesn't do that we begin to see that Jesus showed us exactly what God is and isn't like. Everyone else in the Bible was less than Jesus, way less than Jesus. Abraham didn't trust God to save his life twice, and so he lied and put his wife Sarah into terrible danger. The Bible is full of people who didn't trust God enough to do what was right, and it's the same today with you and me. People still want to lie instead of trusting God. But I'm going to tell you a secret. God works best when we're honest, and there are only a few times when lying is a good idea. If you've ever watched movies about the Underground Railroad here in America or about Nazi Germany, then you have seen people who lied in order to protect people who were innocent from slavery and from dying. The Bible commandment about lying tells us not to lie against others in such a way that would hurt them. But when Rahab lied to protect the spies from being killed, she was rewarded because she trusted God. And she was even one of the grandmothers of David and Jesus. So one of the most important things we can ever do is to learn all about Jesus because only Jesus can truly teach us about God the Father. Anyone else you listen to, including me, is going to get some things wrong. And let me tell you that Jesus loved and trusted his Father absolutely, but that doesn't mean it was always easy for him to obey. In fact, on the night of the Passover, Jesus was having a hard time getting himself ready to do what needed to be done to save us. Does that surprise you? A lot of times we forget that Jesus laughed and cried and had all of our emotions. He just didn't do terrible things when he had them like we do sometimes. But that night, he was so anxious and terrified that he was begging God to find another way to save us. Even though it was their plan together, Jesus was the one who had to be arrested, humiliated, beaten, whipped, and crucified to death. If Jesus hadn't been upset, then he wouldn't have been human. And even though Jesus is also God, he's still totally human. That means he felt all the things we feel, and it means that when we are worried or scared or sad, that we aren't alone. Have you ever had something really sad happen to you? Did people try to comfort you and make you feel better? 
you know, in some ways and for some things, we can feel better. But with others, there's just nothing to do but be sad and angry and to accept that those emotions are going to be huge for a while. And what's worse is that no one else can really understand because even if they can hug us on the outside, we still have so much going on on the inside that no one can see or make any better. That's one of the reasons that Jesus came here to be with us, live with us, live like us as one of us, and to feel everything we feel so that when we don't have anyone in the world who can understand because they can't see or hear what we're thinking, he can. When we can't describe how we are feeling to other people, he already knows. So we're never really all alone, even when the people around us don't understand. And when someone understands everything that's going on inside us and still loves us, we know that we can absolutely trust them. Jesus is the only person who can do that. And Jesus trusted God absolutely. And so that means we can too. Jesus had been telling his disciples for weeks that he was going to be turned over to the Romans to be killed like a criminal, even though he was innocent. But they just weren't really understanding him. Maybe it was because he taught so many times in parables and riddles. Maybe they didn't want to know that he was serious, so they didn't dare ask. After all, they'd been trusting him all this time, following him everywhere, even leaving their families and their jobs. They believed that he was going to be the next king of the Jews, like David, but only better because they wanted rescued from the Romans who were very cruel and greedy. They believed it because of everything that he could do, and they knew that the only way Jesus could do those things is if God was with him just like he was with the greatest prophets of the Bible like Elijah and Elisha. They knew that big things were ahead and they trusted Jesus, usually. <laughs> when they got scared, sometimes they stopped trusting him. You know, just like we do. But Jesus kept proving to them that he was trustworthy. He didn't hurt people and didn't steal from them like the powerful people did. He healed them and gave them food to eat. He kicked demons to the curb and worked so many miracles that when they saw Moses and Elijah come to prepare Jesus for his death, that they probably thought he was being anointed as king of the Jews at last. And they would be his counselors and generals. But when he told them things like, the chief priests are going to turn me over to the Romans and they're going to kill me, that just didn't make any sense to them. That would put them in danger, and they wouldn't get to be mighty men in the new kingdom. They were confused, but they also knew that Jesus was the real deal. They hadn't learned yet that it's okay to be confused, but that God is still trustworthy. God is like that general I told you about at the beginning of the lesson, the one everyone has to learn to trust and believe that he knows exactly what he's doing, even when everything looks totally wrong. You know, people mess up, but God never does. So in the middle of the night, after their Passover meal, Jesus and his followers went to a place at Gethsemane, 
where there was an olive orchard. They were all very sleepy because they'd been eating meat and drinking wine, which wasn't usually what they had to eat. And they hadn't gone to sleep yet. They were probably about ready to drop. I can see this from their point of view. While the others wrapped themselves in their cloaks and went into the caves, Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to stay up and pray with him. Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen, and he didn't want to go through all of that, and especially not alone. He went a short distance away from them and began praying to God, asking him to find another way. Jesus knew that it was going to be a terrible thing and incredibly painful and humiliating. He knew that every single one of the young men following him would run away and leave him to deal with it alone. Only God would be with him. And some of the women who were also his disciples. His mom would be there, but I bet he didn't want her to see what was about to happen. Jesus trusted that this had to happen, but asked if there was another way to do this. It was just too terrible. Jesus knew that it would work and that we would all be saved from our sins and that we wouldn't stay dead forever, but it was a horrible thing to have to go through. He wanted to save us, but no one would ever want to be crucified. Three times Jesus prayed and begged his father to find another way, but finally he said, if this is the only way it can be done, then I trust you and I will do it. That's a lot of trust. Even though God will never ask us to save everyone in the world, because we can't, we do know that when he does ask us to do something, that it is needed and necessary. And it can be scary. Now, the overwhelming majority of things God will ask us to do aren't even remotely dangerous. They just scare us anyway. And that feeling of being scared and nervous never entirely goes away because we still have our emotions and we're often very scared that God isn't actually asking us to do it at all. And that can be so hard. Learning to hear God's voice while still knowing that we aren't always right about what we think he's saying. That's why it's so important to know Jesus and what he would and wouldn't do. I mean, if you see someone treating people badly or hurting them, then you can look and see that Jesus healed people and fed them and taught them and showed them mercy, which we talked about last week. He never turned into a total rage monster. He had total self-control instead. That's why we learn about what it takes to be like Jesus so we can spot the people who want to fool us into thinking being cruel is okay. When Paul wrote the list of how you can tell if a person is following Jesus or not, he was speaking from experience. He knew exactly what it was like to be so sure that he was right, that he was willing to hurt the people who followed Jesus. He believed that he trusted God, but he didn't really know God as well as he thought. He believed that God wanted him going all over the land of Israel and even outside of Israel to places like Damascus to arrest the people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah and God's one unique son. He even found himself part of an angry mob that killed a man named Stephen just because he said he had a vision of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. 
That made them so furious that they killed him and they believed with all their hearts that they were obeying God and doing what was right. But what they were doing was based on anger and not on love. When Paul later became a believer, he called himself a murderer because he knew he'd been wrong even though he was sure that he was right at the time. When we trust God, we know that if he really wants us to do something, that he will let us know. And if we still aren't sure, he'll help us. But we have to know what he does and doesn't expect from us. And that's the thing that's the hardest. Paul knew that better than anyone. And when God changed his heart, he had to become a different kind of person, even though he was still worshiping the same God. Paul wasn't wrong about everything, and he didn't have to go and get himself a new religion. But he did have to learn that the hatred and the anger he'd grown up with as part of a persecuted minority in the Roman Empire wasn't going to work in God's kingdom. Paul had been a very important man among the Jews. He was a genius, incredibly smart and determined and hardworking. He had huge parts of the Bible memorized because there was no way to carry one with him. He probably knew it in Hebrew and Greek and in Aramaic. Of course, all he had was what Christians call the Old Testament because nothing about Jesus was written down yet. And the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, but it was translated to Greek about 200 years before Paul was born. And they also had Aramaic versions in the synagogues because most people in Israel understood that better. Isn't it crazy that Paul was a Bible expert, knowing more than you or me will ever know, okay? But he didn't see anything wrong with what he was doing. And that he thought trusting God meant going and hunting people down. And how much can we trust God knowing that although he could have killed Paul, he loved him and changed his mind about Jesus instead. Knowing the Bible isn't enough. We have to know God, know Jesus, and know what they are really like, or we can make the Bible mean whatever we want it to mean, which lets us do whatever terrible thing we want to do. The Bible is a rescue story, and when we don't understand that, We'll do things that make it harder for God to rescue people. But Jesus knew all that. This was their plan from the very beginning to rescue us. So if we're doing anything that makes people want to run away from God, then we aren't being like Jesus at all. Paul believed that he was serving God and that he was doing everything right. And you know what? I've done things like that too. I mean, nobody ended up dead, but I know I've made it hard for people to trust God when I am not trustworthy and when I make God look like someone who couldn't ever love them. Jesus even told one of his stories, a parable, about a father being able to trust his children near the end of Matthew 21, when the chief priests, who were the guys who ran the temple, were demanding to know why he was doing what he was doing and saying what he was saying. Tell me what you think, Jesus said. A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work in the yard today. And the son answered, I don't want to. 
I'm beta testing the new Call of Duty game, and we've got a huge boss battle that will take all day. But later, he felt sorry and changed his mind, and he did the yard work. Then the man went to his other son and said the same thing. Yeah, I'll go do that right now, sir. But he got busy playing video games and decided not to go. Which of the two was trustworthy and did what their fathers wanted? And they said the first one. Jesus said to them, you know, all the people you look down on because of how they're living now will be part of the kingdom of God before you will. When John the Baptist came and told everyone that they had to clean up their act, all those people you looked down on were waiting in line to be baptized, and they believed him, while all of you didn't. Jesus was telling the highest of the priests that they weren't trustworthy because they were telling God that they would serve him and be faithful, but they really weren't. But all the people whom they looked down on as the worst of sinners and traitors and rebels because they weren't living right? When they heard John, they began to be different because they believed God. But Jesus, he's way greater than John. And the chief priest didn't believe either one of them or the miracles or anything that was happening. They lived at a time where there hadn't been a real king of God's choice in a long time. And so the priests were running most of the country and getting very rich doing it. They had to keep the Romans happy. And so when they had a choice between obeying God and obeying the Romans, they did whatever the Romans wanted them to do. They knew they could be replaced. And so they were doing whatever they had to do so they could stay in power and keep making money off the people who came to visit Jerusalem in the temple. They were trying to serve two masters, God and the Roman government. They went through the motions pretending to serve God by running the temple and making sure the ceremonies happened like they were supposed to. But in their hearts, what they wanted was the power and money. They were more afraid of the Roman emperor and Pontius Pilate than they were of God. They could do all the sacrifices and ceremonies they wanted, but Jesus was telling them that God didn't trust them at all because they weren't doing what they said they were doing. And what they were doing, they were doing for the Romans and not for God. They weren't faithful. They weren't trustworthy. What we're saying we're doing isn't always what we are really doing. And the people who say they're going to do something don't always do it. Well, some people who seem like they'll never do the right thing end up doing it after all. So we can't ever trust people based on what they say about themselves. You know, mostly people who go around telling other people how awesome they are are only fooling themselves. People who are really awesome don't need to go around telling it to everyone. People do figure out who they can depend on after a while. Who says they will help and then helps? Who says they'll help and then just never shows up when they're needed? One thing for sure about Jesus, if he said he was going to do something, then he did it. He didn't go around making empty promises that he didn't keep. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. He isn't waiting across the street, watching us through binoculars, waiting for us to screw things up. We can trust him. 
We can trust him when we're doing things right, and we can also trust him when we're on the wrong track. The Bible is full of people doing things wrong who could still trust God to keep his promises. Just because they weren't trustworthy and faithful doesn't mean that God acted the same way. And it isn't until we understand how much we can trust God that we can really start to be trustworthy in what he asks us to do. The chief priests went out and did their jobs in the temple every day. But that didn't mean anything. God wanted more from them. He wanted them to love people the way he loves people, the way he loves me, and the way he loves you. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I want you to begin to learn more and more about Jesus so that you can see what God is like and how much you can trust him to keep every promise.